Create for No Reason is your weekly dose of courage to stop making excuses and start bringing your ideas to life. Hello, hello. I hope you're doing awesome. What is one word that best describes how you feel right now? That is a question that we sometimes ask before a training we do for with a group of leaders. And I love that question because it, it encourages you to kind of tap into how you're feeling right now. What's going on with you? Why are you feeling certain ways? It's a good one. It's a good one to use before meetings as well. So, hey, take it if you like it. Don't if you don't. And that's not what we're talking about today. Just a random thought that popped into my mind as I was recording. But today, I'm really excited because I get to introduce you to Andrew Davis. He's an interesting person. I met him a few years ago. He was speaking at a conference, and I'm so glad that I did because he's a really interesting human, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. He's a best-selling author and keynote speaker. Before building and selling a thriving digital marketing agency, he actually produced for NBC, and he worked for the Muppets. He's appeared in the New York Times and on the Today Show. He's crafted documentary films and award-winning content for tiny startups and Fortune 500 brands. Today, Andrew Davis teaches business leaders how to grow their business, transform their cities, and leave their legacy. I am so excited about our conversation. Please enjoy getting to know Andrew Davis. Recording in progress. (laughs) She says. Andrew, what's up? It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you too. I feel like, I mean, it's interesting because now that we've discovered we're neighbors, um, but the only time I see you is when we're out of state. Yeah, yeah exactly. We we're like, we're in Cleveland or we're, yeah, or we're, or we're on Zoom. These are the options these days. <laughs> these, these are the options. These are the options. Well, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for taking some time sure. to chat with me. You are I just want to say, first of all, I was trying to think about the direction that I really wanted to go because you're, you have so much, there's so many different things that I would love to talk to you about, to be honest. Oh, that's good. We can cover them all. Cover them all. <laughs> well, you know, first I have to say, you're one of the best speakers. And I don't say that lightly. I don't just tell everybody they're a great speaker. You really are. And the reason why is because you can tell a good speaker when you, saw a presentation they did like years ago and you still remember oh that's nice you know yeah that means a lot oh you're the best I remember your enthusiasm and I wanted to start with this because this was the story I remember I think the first time I heard you speak you were showing this slide of a goldfish and you were talking about attention and that was the whole, cause you were like everybody out there. And this is years ago. This is like before, yeah. pre everyone's on TikTok. Yeah. And, every, and you were talking about, okay, the attention span of a goldfish and we have to capture people's um, attention in like a really quick second. But then you were like, no, no, no. <laughs> and you like, didn't believe in this, you, this short form content. So can we, can we kind of start with attention and I yeah, want sure. to hear that goldfish story? Cause it's so great. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that is, uh, that, that's, that goldfish story is one that does stick with people. It's funny, but yeah, my wife and I went to a restaurant where we were sat next to a fish tank while we were waiting for a table. You know, they gave us 
a little buzzer and said like, it'll be 20 minutes, have a seat over here. It was a seafood restaurant, by the way, which I thought was ironic because it had a fish <laughs> tank in the sea. Anyway, we sat down next to the seafood tank and uh, right in the tank was a goldfish who essentially over the course of about 11 minutes was so attentive that he would pick up in his mouth some goldfish rocks and then spit the rocks at us. And then you go back and spit more rocks like this. Is the, this goldfish had an 11 minute attention span and I took a video of it. So I have a video in the presentation of this goldfish spitting rocks. And the, my point is that goldfish actually do have an unbelievably long attention span uh, if we can earn their attention. And the rocks obviously earned this goldfish's attention. So, you know, that whole speech is all about how do we actually learn how to earn people's attention and just trying to, instead of just trying to make our content shorter, because it turns out like by just making the content shorter for the sake of it being shorter, we've eliminated all the things that actually make the content interesting. And that's what we need to focus on is creating content that is actually interesting, that maintains people's interest. So it was, a, it, that was a year long exploration and to try to figure out what the formula for success was. And that goldfish story does it does resonate, but it also, I think, is a really good indication that, you know, we have to kind of flip the script. It's our duty as creators to earn our audience's attention. They don't just give it to us, you know, so, so that it's a really fun session, actually, and I had a lot of fun kind of refining it. So I'm glad you remember the goldfish. Oh, I remember the whole story because <laughs> it was so, well, I appreciated it because you hear all of these people talking about how you have to make things short and no one pays attention. But I'm like, what are you talking about? No one pays attention. I watch these ridiculous videos yeah. that I should not be spending seven minutes of my life watching, yeah, exactly. but I'm caught in because of the way that they created it. And so I often think about so many people are focused on the wrong thing. They're mm. focused on the, tell me the tactics and the strategy. Yes. And how do I get it instead of wait, what if you spent that much time and attention on like, what am I creating that's yeah. actually cool? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's at the end of the day, that's really the, the, the crux of really good con content creators are the ones who've, who found their own way to earn people's attention over time. Um, and you just find yourself, you know, enraptured. In fact, I get now that, <laughs> Kate, now that you mention it, you know, I get a lot of people who've seen that speech sending me stuff that they're surprised by the attention it's earned, um, even for them. So the other day, somebody sent me a video of a woman. It's hilarious video, by the way, but it's, I think it's 18 minutes long. And it's a woman who's making a cake and she's decorated the cake. She's about to de like finish the decoration by filling up um, an hourglass shaped, um, like, like a hurricane lamp top, if you know what that looks like, if you can imagine it, dear listener, it's like a hurricane shape and it's got an, you know, a bottom that comes out and she fills it up with all of these layers of colors, which takes like 10 minutes. And she keeps telling you, it's going to look amazing. It's good. Oh my gosh. You can't wait until you pull it apart. And then she counts down like 14 times. She's like three, two, one, wait, let me add another. And she like, your tension is at like, it's a, my head was about to explode. I watched all 18 minutes, by the way. And the funny thing is the payoff doesn't measure up to the expectation or the tension she's built. And so at the end, the cake looks like crap. And I don't, she didn't expect it to look that way, but she's so embarrassed that I think she tries to pull it off as this is what it was supposed to look like. 
but it's the most hilarious piece of content. So I get a lot of this stuff, but at the end of the day, the formula is so simple that even a cake disaster video can pull it off. Um, and we just need to be much more strategic about the content we're creating so that we use these simple rules, like invite your audience to, to go on a quest to find an answer to something. And if you can just invite them to chase an answer, like constantly, what's the, what's the next answer they need? they're gonna be engaged in a way that really does build their enthusiasm and build a relationship with you. And that's what great content creation is all about. Oh my gosh, yeah, that is, first of all, I love that people send you stuff. That oh is, my Lord, all the time, that it's is insane. So great. I've wasted more hours watching junk that people have sent me like, I can't believe I watched this for 93 minutes. Like what a waste or like, this was amazing. You've got to watch the whole thing. Don't fast forward. <laughs> like I get oh, that all the time. I have to tell you, there are definitely some TikTok creators that I feel like figured that piece out because they do all the, they do the, they make you just watch. They know that you're going to watch and they don't even end up doing the thing they said they were going to do, which is so irritating. It's oh, almost so irritating. Like That's when I unfollow them. No, yeah. like TikTok is a great place. Look, one of the lessons I, I, I impart on the audience with that exact speech is that if we want to be better creators, we've got to learn how to, to consume content better. Meaning we can't just be passive consumers. We actually have to like watch with an eye to learning. So anytime I see something that's earned my attention, even if it's only for three minutes on TikTok, I watch it again, not as a viewer, but as a creator. And I think like, what did she do to actually keep me watching that whole thing? And if I, if I had a great reaction, I'm like, why, how did that happen? How did she keep me going for three minutes and then deliver something that was like, yay, you know, that really worked. Like, for example, I just watched someone on TikTok who does, and this is very common these days, but she did it really well, where she basically said, like, showed me the payoff. Like, I, I can't actually remember what the payoff was. Oh, it was something coming out of the oven, okay? And you can tell it's about to fall. And she freezes the frame like within 10 or 12 seconds. And it said just like 19 minutes ago. And so like, you know, that's the outcome, right? Like she just told you how the story is gonna end. Then she did a masterful job of building up to the moment that you knew was gonna happen. And you still needed to know the little pieces in between that led to this big disaster. That's great storytelling. And if you can stop yourself and say, wow, that really worked, why? You will become a better content creator, hands down. Oh, that is such great advice. To that point, I would love to know your thoughts on this because I think about this a lot when I think about like content and especially TikTok. I don't know. I was yeah. never on TikTok and now all of a sudden I'm like, just... oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. TikTok is unbelievably addictive. Oh, it is. And I think part of me is because I'm consuming it thinking, oh my gosh, how are these people? What is, what is the fascination? So I'm curious to know from your standpoint, because you work with a lot of brands and businesses and then there's creators. So from your standpoint, when I think about creativity and creating content that people actually want to watch, there's this kind of formula of for businesses that's very generic, right? You do mm. the webinar, you get the yeah. leads, you have the, the email list and stuff. And then there's also this kind of TikTok content creator mm. or YouTuber that it's like very different. Like, do you see a difference between those types of creating content? Yeah. I mean, I, when I wrote my first book, Brandscaping in 2012, the distinction became very clear to me when I started interviewing creators. So 
before that, you know, I ran an agency and for a long time I was working with businesses and I understood what businesses expected and what they wanted and what their goals and ambitions were. And, you know, generally it was like, they want leads or they need sales. Okay. I get it. Like that was very simple. I understand how you're going to measure the success of whatever it is we do or build for you. When I started talking to creators and the first one I talked to was actually a makeup artist um, who ended up building essentially a, a billion dollar brand that she, she partnered with Sephora on. Um, she, she used no advertising. Her name was Lauren Luke. I don't know if you remember Lauren Luke, Kate, but she was no a YouTube way. sensation. And she was like one of the first breakout YouTube makeup stars. Like at the time there was, it was not a category that existed. Um, and when I interviewed her, I asked her, would you rather have like a hundred thousand more views or would you rather have 10 more subscribers? And she did not, like, there was no pause, no hesitation. She immediately said, I'll take 10 new subscribers every time. And I said, why? And she said, well, because my goal is to build a relationship with the consumer before they need me or so they need me. And that's when I, it dawned on me that the world is totally different and creators even today still understand this simple concept that if you can build a relationship with people over time, you can sell them anything. Like you can inspire them to buy whatever you are selling. And she understood that from a very early, you know, early get-go on YouTube uh, and brands, some brands get it. Um, but I think until you realize that you need to like ascribe a value to every subscriber you get and focus on revenue per subscriber, you're still just creating campaigns and, and you're still just creating a moment in people's life instead of creating momentum with an audience that's going to add value. Oh, that's so interesting. That's really cool that you tapped into so many different creators to get their perspective? Well, it was, um, I mean, it was fairly new for brands to be partnering with quote unquote influencers. Like at the time, I don't even think we called them influencers, which is probably why I named the book Brandscaping and not like influence something. Cause it's better. Like, I mean, the book is all about partnering with other people to, to gain access to an audience that you never had access to before. And the only, some of the, some of the most successful partnerships were partnerships between brands and these individual who creators, you know, the, the creators, sure. They needed cash to kind of keep their operation running, but they also had this really clear understanding that they had built a powerful subscriber base who they could send in any direction possible. And, you know, I watched some creators make bad mistakes. Like they partnered with brands that weren't, you know, really well thought out. They did short-term partnerships, which is probably the biggest mistake creators make today and have made for, you know, they, they're looking for posts, number of posts and number of views and stuff like that. It's just the, the most successful creators are the ones that have a real clear vision of what they want to deliver to their audience. And they're making content partnerships and product partnerships that are long lasting and have a clear vision for the future. Yeah. It's been interesting to see in quote unquote influencer marketing yeah, over right? the past few years. It's so fascinating to see what's going on. And even just in, I mean, in all the different spaces, YouTube, TikTok, I mean, yeah. Instagram. Instagram, sure. Do you feel like today, I think one of the biggest challenges, especially newer creators or creators that just haven't really figured it out yet is there's so much content out there and there's yeah. so many people doing this now. Do you feel like people can still carve that 
that space for themselves to gain yes. traction. Oh, there's always a content hole in the marketplace. And like one of my favorite examples of this actually is from the early television days. You know, like I, I started my career in television. So uh, when it, it was the early 1990s and in Columbia, South Carolina, which used to be it, it, like the early 1990s was when the cable television explosion was happening. So, you know, all of a sudden we went from like five broadcast channels to like 15 cable networks. And by the end of the 90s, there were like 100 cable television channels. And in this time, cable TV chose Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina as like a test market. They thought it was like the perfect test bed for new cable channels. And so they wanted to test the sci-fi channel there. And the sci-fi channel at the time, by the way, was the science fiction channel. It wasn't that cool yet. And they were just going to rerun Star Trek. Like that was the only programming they had. And in Columbia, South Carolina, this guy, this guy named Dale Ordine was assigned the job of marketing the new science fiction channel. And he had to get a thousand people minimum to sign up to spend $5 extra every single month just for one channel. That was the test. If they could do that, they would take it national. So he ended up getting a thousand people, over a thousand people to sign up for the science fiction channel. And he thought, you know, this is crazy. We'll see if it works. And he was supposed to put the science fiction channel on live at like 8 p.m. on a Friday. He had marketed it everywhere, billboards, mailers, you know, all the people that signed up. He imagined these Trekkies like all waiting with their popcorn at 8 p.m. for the first Star Trek. Well, at four o'clock that day, he gets a call from the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And they're like, hey, Dale, real sorry. Like we messed up the paperwork. Like you don't have the, the, you have the bandwidth, but you don't have the rights to put it live yet. We should sort out the paperwork and like uh, maybe six weeks. So he's like, oh my gosh, these Trekkies are going to call customer service. We're going to, it's going to be a nightmare. So he tells customer service to stay late. They're going to answer the phones, give people refunds. They fill like the fax machine, you know, with paper. Cause that's how you did it in the nineties. You had to fax people. So, so he doesn't know what to do. Cause he's got this blank channel. People are going to turn it into. So what he does is he takes a camera from his, his studio, he rolls it down the hall and he points it at his fish tank in his office. And he puts a little scrolling message that says, we're really sorry, the sci-fi channel launch has been delayed. Please call our number you know, for a full refund. We apologize for any delay or confusion. Uh, they stay late, they stay till like 11 o'clock. No one calls to complain, not one person. And so he starts to think, well, this, no one ever is gonna watch the sci-fi channel. They forgot they were spending five bucks a month. It's gonna be a total failure. Six weeks turns into six months. They finally get the rights to put the sci-fi channel live. A couple of fish died. He like pulled them out. You know, he like no one mentioned this thing. They put it live on a Friday night. Monday morning, they come back to the office and the answering machine is full. The fax machine is out of paper and people are like, I want my fish TV back. I've been watching that for six months. You get, I'm canceling my entire cable vision unless I see it. That this is proof to me that, that no matter how full of content you think the world is, there is a hole in the marketplace for the content you're creating. And you just have to find your fish TV. You have to find that hole. And the, the postscript, by the way, Kate, is that over the course of six years, they generated about $6 million in revenue by keeping Fish TV on the air. They got a, they got a radio station to sponsor it. So they play classical music on it. Um, a pet store sponsored the fish tank in the aquarium. Oh they, they had prizes and stuff in the fish tank. Like you, if you tuned in and watched at a certain time, you could win a prize. If you called a phone number, they cashed in. The only reason they stopped Fish TV is they ran out of bandwidth as the cable television networks took it over. Gosh, that is crazy. You just need to find your fish TV. And, and I do think that in this 
age, a lot of creators think they need to be an expert. And that I think that's pretty much the problem. Like expertville is overcrowded. There's always someone with two more tips and tricks. If you have six tips and tricks for success, somebody else has five and you know, it's a race to the bottom. It's just crowded people elbowing each other with better tips and tricks and hacks that they, they borrowed from somebody else. Like if you really want to make a dent in the market, you have to start thinking like a visionary. You have to go on a quest to answer a question that Google can't answer. And the, the more you go on that quest with your audience, the, the more visionary answers and hypotheses you'll come up with to solve a problem in a way no one else is expected. Um, and I think that's the future for people that want to create content or create in general. It's to you know, find your own hook, your own unique way to solve a problem that people feel like they've probably solved or maybe haven't solved right. Yeah. Oh, answer a question that Google can't answer. I have that in my notes because I did a YouTube video with that question because I heard you say that on Jay Bear's podcast. Yes. And I found it so fascinating because of that exact reason. It was almost like, oh, of course this makes sense because that is interesting. That's, that is that something I haven't seen before. That is a problem or something that like, that's what I, I'm, I'm reading this book uh, uh, called by uh, Rob Walker, uh, The Art of Noticing, I think it's oh, I haven't, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to write that down. The but Art of Noticing. it's so interesting because it's all about how you, we don't notice, like, right? Just like learning to notice things, like when you're going about your day and then if you start noticing it, then questioning it or figuring out how can you explain something. And it's almost like that's what creativity is, right? Like you take yeah. two separate things and figure out how to mesh them together or turn them into something. You well, are I, I can, obviously you're an author, you're a speaker, content creator. What are you curious about right now? What are you working on? Oh gosh. Well, what am I curious about right now? Well, I'm, I'm actually working. I've been working on this for a long time, but I've been trying to build like a little uh, software platform to help like professional speakers realize their potential, something that helps them really understand how the business of speaking works. And it's taken a long time. And I've, so I'm, I'm constantly curious about, you know, what speakers, uh, you, you know, need or want out of the software, but more importantly, out of their business, like, where do they think the problems are? So like I had a call about that this afternoon with someone. And so that's, that's what I'm exploring. Like the, the question I'm trying to answer is essentially why do professional speakers think that marketing themselves is the key to success? And if that's not the key to success, what is? Um, and so, you know, I've been, I've spent the last three years even working with Michael Port on trying to answer that question. And you know, I think we we wrote a book called The Referable Speaker that I think gets part of the way there. Like it really helps answer how you build a professional speaking career and a successful one that's sustainable, but it doesn't really dive deep enough into the business of professional speaking. And so I'm trying to solve that problem in a new and in, in interesting way that helps people realize that it's not about the number of leads you get, but the way you run and operate your business that can help you build a successful one. Um, but like, you can do it with anything. And to be totally honest, all the things that I've been curious about are sparked by things that annoy me. Like, for example, that curiosity speech, the, the curiosity factor, the one we were talking about with the goldfish at the beginning. Um, hey, it's like a fish podcast. I'm starting to realize 
Oh my God, about, right? Like, fish TV, like goldfish. <laughs> anyway, that whole speech started because I read a HubSpot article that was like the most popular trending marketing article for like a week. And it said that like, it was basically like on every platform, what's the perfect video length? And I remember starting to read the article and it was like on YouTube, the perfect video length was supposed to be two minutes and 24 seconds. And I was like, what? Like, that is not right. Like they, they basically were saying anything over two minutes and 24 seconds, no one's going to watch. And I was like, that's not true. Like I've watched personally, like 45 minute, 90 minute videos on YouTube. More importantly, I will binge watch a whole show, you know, on Netflix, on Netflix in one Saturday. So like, it's not about how long it's supposed to be. It's how well you're creating the content. And that was my hypothesis. So I spent a long time journeying down that path. Like, where did this come from? And I went into the goldfish thing. Like, where did that goldfish, hey, we have the attention span of a goldfish statistic come from, came from. And it came from like a Microsoft presentation in like 1997 with no statistics or data to back it up. And I got more and more angry and said, we've got to solve this problem a better way. And that's when you get to the question Google can't answer, which ended up being something like, how can you create content that actually earns your audience's attention? And there are tips and tricks on that, but no one like dissected it in a way that was understandable and came up with a formula and a framework that would help you actually do that. And so that going on that journey to, to just find the question is just as valuable as answering the question itself. Um, and if you bring people along, it's really fun. It's a great journey to go on. Oh my gosh. That is a fun journey to go on. And I think what's interesting about so much, well, what's frustrating to sometimes as a marketer when people are marketing is they oversimplify everything. Mm. Like it's very, oh, you create videos and then you post them on the blog and then you share them and you like, they just kind of tell you what to do, like the steps yeah. on what to do. And everyone's like, this is brilliant. And they're taking notes and they're like, but they don't realize, oh, I don't actually know what's the video about and what is this, what am I saying? And how does that kind of play into the bigger vision of the business? Yeah. And the, it's, 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 I feel like there's a lot of people out there, like you said, the tips, the tricks, we can read all the blog posts and articles, oh, yeah. top 10 ways, here's how to do, we can Google anything, you can YouTube anything, but this is the kind of stuff, these are the conversations that I find so fascinating because it's, it's, it's in the deep work that you have yeah. to do to discover what you can be creating that's actually going to move any of that other stuff that's going to drive the interaction that's going to drive people to click. Yeah, no, so, I mean, and I think that's a big piece. I, I think it's a, I actually feel like we've turned a corner where for a long time, all people wanted online were answers to questions. Now people feel like they need to challenge the, the advice and insight they've been given because it's come to the point where it's not working or you can find counter advice very quickly. You know, if somebody says, do these top 10 things, there's somebody says that why these top 10, they've written a post that's like why these top 10 things won't work. And so you, you're forced to question the strategy or the real thinking behind it. And I think that's when people have breakthroughs, you know, like, um, I spent a lot of time, even at Tipping Point, the, the agency that, that I worked at, we spent a lot of time thinking about like, why are people chasing the social stream and why, you know, why is it like this kind of cycle that just keeps you pushing harder and harder for more and more spikes in your, 
in your views and likes and engagement in air quotes. And it like, at the end of the day, no one really knew. In fact, no one, you could ask 10 marketers today, you can still do this, ask 10 marketers, like what engagement means to them. And they all have a different answer. Oh, it's like likes and views. It's likes plus comments plus views. It's, you know, engagement, you know, engagement. I'm like, no, I don't know. So like, like, you know, using words that no one knows what they mean and everybody has a different connotation don't help either. It's only when you force them to think, do you want bigger spikes or do you want like consistent growth over time? Well, I don't know any market that wouldn't say I would rather have consistent growth over time. Well, trust me, they're two different strategies. You're going to have to introduce different tactics to achieve both of those. Um, and if you want spikes, there's lots of advice on how to get like a spike in your you know, impressions and views and likes and clicks and opens and subscribes and opt-ins. There are very few people who have thought of really smart ways to actually deliver consistent growth over time. Yeah. And those, those are the more interesting conversations, to be honest. And yeah. it ends up being the better marketing. So obviously this show is called Create for No Reason. Yeah. So I just have this passion for encouraging people to explore their creative yeah. pursuits and their creativity just for the fun of it, not yeah. for the likes, not for Do the it. engagement, but just like for the fun yes. of it. So what are, which by the way, what's so funny is, and the reason why we called it, this is it's almost like create for no reason. Cause it's fun, but also there's a reason because you actually learn so much. Like you were talking about, you learn a lot and it could actually stumble into something that you never thought possible. Like, look how many people started podcasts and that's their business now. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's crazy. So do you have any, or what are, I know you do, what are some of your creative pursuits, things that you just love doing for the fun of it? Oh man, I love to tell a story. I love to write. Um, but I think, like, I think a big piece of the puzzle is it's like your creativity is like a muscle. And if you don't use it, you don't get better at it. And it still seems intimidating. And even for someone like me who feels like I create a lot of stuff, um, you know, like just before the holidays, before the new year um, in 2022, so 2021, I was writing 500 words a morning. I, in fact, you talked about this on another episode of the podcast, Kate. You were talking about Jerry Seinfeld's habit of writing a joke a day, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was writing 500 ugly words every morning between like 5 and 6.30 a.m. And I was really enjoying it. Um, but not at first, right? Like the first few days, it sucked. I wasn't writing very well. It was, I didn't have, like, I could barely get a 500 words out. Um, and after that, I started learning that it was getting easier. The writing was getting better and I was having more fun um, the more I did it. And so I think the more you challenge yourself to just create, the more creative you're going to get. Like I've done, I do these little things occasionally. I call it a creative workout. Um <laughs> Because you know what annoyed me? I do. I don't know. During the pandemic, my wife and I signed up for Peloton's app, um, which is mm -hmm. awesome, by the way. That's the unsolicited endorsement. But I, I, we had no other way to get fit, so I started listening to the like somebody yell at me to go running, you know, for forty-five minutes, and it worked. I was like, "This is great." And I was like, "What if we created something like this for creativity, like where you could do a creative workout?" in like 15 minutes to explore your brain. So I started doing it and it was unbelievably helpful. And all I do, like take for example, like you open up Amazon, you have to open up in an incognito browser window, like the secret browser window that doesn't have any of your history. And you look at what shows up on the homepage and the task is in 15 minutes or less, 
like try to come up with a marketing idea for whatever that product is. So like the first day I did it was tennis rackets. And like, I don't know anything about tennis rackets. I have no, I've never played tennis. I, I don't know anything about tennis. My wife plays tennis. She, she looks good in a tennis mini skirt. Like that's all I knew, right? <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, that's it. I got 15 minutes. I set a timer and it's hard at first, but the more you do it, the more fun it is and the more creative you get. It's really, it is a muscle. So I think you're right to encourage people to just create for the sake of creating. I mean, no one's ever going to run my tennis marketing campaign I came up with in 15 minutes, <laughs> but it sure feels good to exercise it with no ex expectation of success. Um, and the uglier it is, the better your creativity gets. Oh my gosh. Yes. The uglier it is. And I love that you call them, you write these ugly words. Cause that's what I hear all these writers talk yeah. about, right? The ugly first draft, yeah. the vomit draft, whatever, whatever oh, terminology you use. Everyone says that, uh, which I think is so awesome. And I started a newsletter a month ago because I, so I love Ann Hanley's newsletter. Yes, I was just about to shout out to Ann Hanley because she's the oh. one that told me about ugly first drafts. Oh yeah, yep. She writes it about it in her book yeah. and, 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 and a lot of writers do. And, um, but yeah, her newsletter is the bomb. It's great. I love, oh, I, I look forward to her newsletters, which I was like, I want someone to look forward to my newsletter, but that's not going to happen unless I, write it and some of them are good and some of them are not so good some of them i'm like oh these are great this this i love this and yeah. then like then sometimes i'm like i don't know i don't feel like it but you know what the discipline of sending it out even if it's not as great as i want it yeah, to yeah. be that's the point the point is that to is get it point. out yeah absolutely i mean look and hanley i don't think would be shy about telling people that she's become a better writer as a result of forcing herself to write a hundred newsletters, uh, you know, every other one newsletter every other week for a hundred episodes like her. I mean, I've read every single one from episode zero to today, and I think they've gotten better, which I wouldn't have said was possible even when she was writing caliber for first, you know, her first episode, I thought it was great, but they are unbelievable. And it's because it's a muscle and she's getting better and better at doing it, even though I would consider her one of the best marketing writers in the world already before she started. And it's just proof that the more you do it, the better you get and the more fun it, it becomes. Um, and I, you know, I think Anne would probably also say that the pressure get like the expectation, uh, I guess, from the audience, you know, helps actually drive your ability to get better and better each time. And I mean, I feel it with speaking as well. You know, I don't want to show up and disappoint after somebody really enjoyed the last speech I created. And so it kind of forces me to ensure that I'm holding myself to a standard that um, I should, you know, I need to live up to, but be creative doing it. And that's the fun part. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. I would love to know if you have, because you, you've written a few books, you, do you have, when you're writing a book specifically, yeah. do you have a specific creative habit or ritual or some type of routine that you have to do to get it done? To get it done? No, I'm, I'm actually pretty bad at getting it done. <laughs> uh, I'm good at writing and writing and writing and writing and adding and adding and adding and finding new stuff that I should write and, uh, and researching. I love to research, which you can probably tell already. Like that's how you find stories like fish TV or the goldfish story. Um, but I think I, you know, um, 
I guess one of the challenges is knowing when you, you know when you've written enough or when the idea is enough. I think one of the biggest mistakes I've made is trying to pack too much into one book specifically if we're talking about books um, because the idea keeps expanding. And so, you know, I've been working on the loyalty loop book, no joke for three years, Kate, wow. um, if this is confession time. And I've written, <laughs> I think I'm on the fourth version of the book. Um, and I'm only now realizing that I probably need to turn it into two books if it's going to really work for the audience. Like I know enough to tell them all this stuff. And I feel like I've learned a ton that I could vomit on the reader. But I think the truth is it's probably better as two simplified books. And I'm actually enjoying the process of writing the fourth version because I know it's easier to do and it's, it's more fun. So I find a lot of inspiration from other people's books and, and I like challenging myself from a writing perspective. So I'm enjoying this, this rewrite, but I think cutting is harder than, than writing for me. Actually, you know what, when I was editing my editor for um, Brandscaping, she was awesome. Her name was Lisa Merton Beats, or it is, her name is Lisa Merton Beats. She's still around. <laughs> she was, but she was my editor for that book. She was awesome and she I gave her my manuscript I was so excited to have it done and you know like when you hand in a manuscript it, like you feel like you're just handing over everything and it's like amazing and you can't wait to hear back and I handed it over on like a Friday and Lisa told me she'll set up a meeting for Monday so we can chat about the book and all weekend like I kept checking my email to see if there are any comments like just started it loved it like that's what I was hoping for right <laughs> um so on Sunday validation. night, I need validation. yeah, I need, I just like, I worked so hard on this, Lisa, like, give me anything. Like, just tell me you opened it and the first page looks great. Like, I love it. Uh, I got nothing until Sunday night and she sends me back the manuscript and I open it up and like, there's like chapters that she's cut like five pages or just redlined. And she has this thing that says WKYS. That's the comment. And I see this over and over. She's cut like 15 pages here and it says WKYS. And I like email back, like what, what the hell is WKYS? I look it up online. There's no acronym. It's not an editor's thing that anyone, I'm like, I can't sleep the whole night. She doesn't respond. In the morning we get on the call. I'm like, Lisa, you cut a ton of stuff. And every time you cut like five, 10, 15 pages at a time, it says WKYS. What the hell does that mean? And she was like, oh, that means we know you're smart. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, you don't need to tell me all this stuff. Like, I know you've done a lot of research. I know you found all these great stories. Like, get rid of all this stuff that you feel like you need to tell us, maybe because you have imposter syndrome and like you need to validate all of this research you've done. Like, you're a good writer. The book is really interesting read. And all of that, we know your smart stuff is getting in the way. And it really helped me a lot. Like, I've, I constantly try to challenge myself to say, like, you know, is this just me trying to make sure the reader knows that I'm serious and this is good stuff? Uh, or is this really adding value to the reader's experience and helping them move forward? Um, and I think having a dose of humility about the content you create really goes a long way in, in building a better relationship with the reader as well as an audience for anything. Yeah. And that experience, obviously, without doing it and, and having that feedback, you never would have known. No, no. Yeah, I would have just kept doing it. And I, I, you know, if I look back, I probably was doing it even in my speeches. Like, if I look back at a speech from that era, like the 10, 2010, 2011 era, 
I did dump a lot of extra stuff into my speech because I wasn't, I was sure of my ideas, but not sure of myself sharing the ideas. And so I just, you know, jam packed extra crap in there to make sure people knew that this was legit. Um, and you know, it's, I think, I think if you, if you're authentic and, and humble about where you get the insight and advice, you can make a big impact on the world. And humility is a big piece of it, I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm well, getting like very philosophical, jeepers. <laughs> I need some more coffee. <laughs> mm. Well, I'm so excited because I'm writing my first book that's a creative pursuit of mine that I've been wanting to do for like Yay. a decade. So How's it going? It's, it's going, so it's going well, like you, I've been working on it for a couple years and I finally have it in the hands of an editor. Fantastic. I know. I'm so excited. Uh, congratulations. What a big step. That's just fantastic. What's it about? Are you sharing or is it top secret? It's top secret. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know what it is? I actually am exploring the seven myths, stopping people from pursuing their creativity. That's great. That, what's and what's myth number seven? Oh, the last one. Um, yeah. the oh, inspiration will strike. Mm, that is a good one. That's myth number seven. Yeah, you know what's funny? I was going back and forth with the editor because the editor was telling me, well, was encouraging me to go instead of using myths to do like principles or truths mm. or something like that. But I feel like that's a different book. Mm. I feel like. I wanted to explore the myths because I almost want people, this isn't like a, like we were talking about, this isn't a top 10 ways to do yeah, it. Right. I'm not telling you how to do it. I want you to look at the myths and think, Oh, do I, do I do that? It's more about right. a, a helping you question the way that you explore your passions, your creativity and the work that you really want to put out into the world. That's great. And that's why I'm using myths. That's good. So, well, stick yeah. to it. Yeah. If that's what you believe, I think that sounds great. I'll read it. Aw, thanks, Andrew. I love we'll it. See. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, this is my year. Hopefully, this is the year. That Not is. hopefully, just make it your year. Get, oh, you're right. You're creating. right. We'll, 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 I'll make it. I'll make it my year. But yeah, I'm excited about it. And I just, every time that I work on it and sit, and every time I sat down to write or work on it, and even now through the editing process, I just appreciate more and more people like you who have written multiple books, who have turned their books into great keynotes and have done, they do it for a living because man, it's a discipline and it's oh, yeah. hard to figure out how do you say what you want to say in the shortest amount of words, yeah. but making the biggest impact. And it's a process. It is a, it process. Is a process. And I like, I will, I, just so you know, I, hopefully this makes you feel better. I don't think it gets any easier by the way. Um, Great. And every time I say, I'm not going to do this again. It's too hard. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> and then like, you know, 15 minutes later, I've got, I'm like, I've got a new idea for a speech that I'm going to turn into a book. That's going to be a show. And oh so my gosh, yeah, yeah, I'm not even done with this one. And I already have my next two books that good, I want to write. Good, good. So. That's great. <laughs> that's the way it should work. I just, oh I, my gosh. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And, the, and, and I, I don't know if you've talked to Carla Johnson, who, who wrote a great book about innovation, but she, I, I had a really great conversation with her where she was talking about the fact that uh, she thought writing the book was, she's on her 10th book, by the way. So this was her 10th oh book. And she said, you know, I keep thinking 
every single time that writing the book is the hardest part. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I have to like market the book and I'm like, no, and she's a marketer. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a constant battle. You know, it's like a, there's a curve of some sort that can would really capture how people think about writing their books. It's always like, I've got a great idea. And then you're in the trough of despair for like nine months. Right. And then, and then you claw your way out and you're like, yay, it's done. And then you, you're back in the trough of despair when the editor sends back like 400 pages of notes and crap that you've got to fix. And yeah, it's great. It's just like that over and over again. So, but it's fun. It's really rewarding to see oh your ideas out gosh. there. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you get you get it back from the editor with things like w, like WKYS. Yeah, exactly. We know you're smart, Kate. You you, you can we cut these it. nine. Yeah, we, you can cut these these nine pages. We we know you're oh. smart. It's enough. Oh my gosh. Well, it's an interesting process, and you know what? I always tell, I always say everything is an iceberg. Everything. Everything. Is an that's iceberg. that's a great quote. It really is. <laughs> Never as simple as it seems. Iceberg so, right ahead. Right? It's oh, it's the yeah. worst. But you know what? The more you do stuff, the more you realize it, and the more you just know that you're gonna expect Absolutely. a lot of things that you didn't know. But that's what's that's what's fun about life and so creating true. and content. And it is so true. So, all right, I know I need to let you go. You're so awesome. I again I could talk to you for a long time. You're just so interesting. Um well, thanks. This has been great. I really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. I hope so. Too. They have because you shared okay, such incredible stories. Oh, good. Yeah, they did. They told me already. They already, <laughs> they already shared. Um, <laughs> and guess what? They think you're really smart. Oh, <laughs> you're the best listeners. Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, all right. I have a question for you. If yeah. you could only be known for one thing. Oh, wow. What would it be? If I could be known for one thing, what would it be? Uh. Oh my gosh. I would say like in the, yeah, in the future, like I hope people like see a legacy of smart thinking um, that has really challenged the way people do business. And, and I think if I've done that with enough people made them reconsider the way they're running their business or the one, the way they market their business, then I think I've, I've left the legacy I was hoping to. Oh, I love that. What are you reading? now oh oh my gosh i was just reading hooked by near um near idell i don't know if you've it's like a product development book so i was reading that um uh liz what's the murder mystery book i was reading on and off thursday murder club that's right have you read thursday murder club murder no hi liz by the way yeah it said hi elizabeth's my wife she's sitting over here uh just for you guys listening who have already listened and you love us um uh, Liz, uh, so, okay. I don't read many books like this, but it's a, it's like a murder mystery, but she was enjoying it so much. She was laughing out loud. She was like, you gotta read this book. So I started reading it and it is really, really well written. It's really funny and it's really well done. It's, it's worth it. If you don't normally listen to that kind of thing and you could probably listen to it or read it and you'll love it. It's great. Thursday murder club. There's All right. two of them. There's two, there's a sequel. Ooh. Oh, it's so funny. So All funny. Right. I like that because I read so much nonfiction and so much like personal development. How can yeah, I become a better exactly. CEO you get more done. marketer? You can do it. Things. Yes, me too. <laughs> so yeah, when I get something like, in fact, this year, because again, you know, you got to switch your brain. I'm like, how can I be more creative? So I decided I love reading autobiographies. Oh. 
they're amazing. Yeah. But instead of just reading autobiographies of like, um, like Shoe Dog is amazing, Phil yep. Knight, Nike, yep. and uh, Bob Iger's book, Ride of Lifetime, yep, is that's really great. One. But I saw Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be great. So I, I'm not even a, sorry, Dave. I'm oh not a huge God. fan of Dave. Like I wasn't what? a big fan. I know. No Foo Fighters or Nirvana fan? I mean, it's great. They're great. But like, that <sighs> wasn't like my thing. Okay, and so, fine. But his, what? I was just like, okay, fine. That's all right. I mean, but now I've been listening to his music because I read his oh, book and I loved it. That's his great. His book is awesome. That's great. Well, were you a Beastie Boys fan? No. no. Okay. I was going to suggest the Beastie Boys book, but that's okay. Well, I can listen. Well, now that no, I'm- No, you know what you I, should do? Okay, don't read the book. There is a Beastie Boys documentary that's actually a performance of like two of the Beastie Boys because the third one's no longer with us, but um, you should watch that. It's really, really good. It's like a 90-minute Amazon Prime movie okay. or HBO movie you can watch. That's worth watching. It's really well done. And it's got enough Beastie Boys that you'll be like, I know that song or I know that, but the backstory is amazing. And here's a little teaser. This is a curiosity gap. Um, they're, the Beastie Boys, by the way, weren't there weren't only boys in the Beastie Boys and the woman who was in the Beastie Boys originally is in another band you might know what who you're not gonna I, tell us nope that's a curiosity gap oh. you'll have to watch the movie to find out oh my gosh and See? that's how you earn attention my and friends I was gonna say that's your next TikTok <laughs> sorry people are googling it right now see they're trying to find the answer to a question keep oh them, keep them chasing Kate I always ask my guests to yeah. share one. What is something that someone could, I mean, you kind of shared a couple in the episode, but what is something that someone could do today, 10 minutes or less yeah. to just improve their creativity muscle? Okay. Well, you could do a creative workout for sure. Just pick anything on Amazon and imagine you're the head of marketing and you got to run a campaign. You got to come up with something in 15 minutes or less. The, here's the key to that, by the way, you got to clear your desk, like close everything on your desktop, clear your desk just with a piece of paper and go at it. Otherwise you'll get distracted and it won't work. Uh, there's that, or you can, the next time, here's a good one. Today, when you find a piece of content that you actually watched all the way through, or maybe a podcast you listened to the end of like this one, or maybe you read an email newsletter from the top to the bottom, like Ann Hanley's, before you just like click red or like archive or delete or move on or forward or click the next link, stop for a second, go back to the very beginning of that content and listen to it, watch it, read it again, but as a creator and really look at mechanically, what have they done to earn your attention? Why did that piece of content work? And then just take one thing away from that. And on the very next piece of content you're creating, even if it's an email to someone, try to use that exact same device you just learned to try to create a better experience for that person that you're, you're emailing or calling or gonna interact with. And you'll find yourself learning a ton that way. Does it work? How does it work? Can you do it? Because it's easier than you ever expected. Oh my gosh. Love that exercise. And what it, it's a fun one to do. It's easy. And it's, again, it kind of gets you into that practice. Because if you yes. do it today, and now you're going to start noticing, you're going to start You'll noticing notice what you That's never right. noticed before. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Like my wife says I've ruined television watching for it because I give her all these like, you know, rules about creating great content and drama and comedy and like 
you know, sitcom rules. And so, you know, she's like, oh, I wonder if they're going to get back together. And I'm like, well, you know, the rules of great television writing say that you must get them back together. It has to end the way it started. Otherwise, it's not going to be a good sitcom. And then she's like, no, you ruined it. So, <laughs> so as long as you're willing to ruin some of the content you really are enjoying, you'll become a better content creator for thinking through it. And, and I, I challenge everybody to do it. You'll actually have more fun. <laughs> Ruining content for your spouse, for or your partner, or your friends—it's <laughs> great. Trust me. <laughs> oh my gosh, Andrew, you're awesome. We'll have Thanks, to do this Katie. again anytime, man. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me, and I'm so glad we're neighbors. We're gonna have to get together. Yes. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I would love that. I'd love to. Awesome. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. <laughs> and there you go. That is Andrew Davis. I hope you enjoyed getting to know him. He is a ball of energy, which is just kind of who he is on stage. And it's really fun. Like I said, he's a, a really incredible speaker and a content creator. And man, he knows a lot of stories, a lot of stories in that head of his. So I hope that you enjoyed hearing from him and uh, getting to know a little bit more about content creation. And I do hope that you take some time and do the challenge, do the challenge, because I'm so fascinated by people who create this content that people just can't stop watching. It's crazy, but it's awesome. And it's cool to think about how can you create something that people are excited about? How can you create something that people look forward to? Like we were talking about with the newsletters or I mean, or a video or whatever it is, think about your favorite creators and what about their work entices you? What about their work not only gets you continuing to watch that one piece of content, but gets even more excited to consume other pieces of content? I think it was Seth Godin years ago, I, I heard him present somewhere and he said, create content that if you stopped creating it, people would miss it. If you stopped creating your content, would people notice? Would they miss you? And I thought that was such an interesting question. And it really got me thinking, which is why I think when we talk about the creative process and the creative practice, if we want to get really good at it, we just have to keep doing it. Keep doing the videos, keep doing the podcasts, keep writing, whatever it is, whatever that, whatever creating you want to do, maybe for you, it's even dancing or singing or whatever that craft is that lights you up, the more that you do it, the better you get at it. And you know what? Even if you don't ever become that great at it, as long as you have joy while you're doing it, that's the fun. That's the reason. Okay. I'm so glad you got to meet Andrew. If you are looking for an incredible speaker that is sure to inspire and engage your audience, please consider Andrew. He really is. He really is awesome. So you can check out uh, what he speaks on over at akadrewdavis.com. Check him out on there. You can find his books. You can find his blogs and videos and more about him and all of his social media if you want to reach out to him and say hello. And yeah, take him up on that challenge. Strengthen your creativity muscle. And until next time, go create something.